do you speak fluent British? Because apparently I do not. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm so bad at these accents. This is where I had to turn on the subtitles and read them for dear life. Welcome. <laughs> Are you in full voice this week? Um, I'm getting there. I'm about 99%. It's only taken me since Thanksgiving, but here we are. And that's not a joke. <laughs> All right, let's test it out. Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Okay. It sounds good. It sounds good. Give her the Grammy. Okay, thanks. Um, all right, you guys, before we get to the show, look, we've got several announcements, but we're going to do them real quick. Bear with us because they're important. Yeah, we're almost testing ourselves about how fast we can do this. Exactly. Um, as you know, we are making our Broadway debuts. You guys, we are bringing TCO to Broadway for one night, June 1st. We are making history the first podcast to ever oh play God. Broadway. Oh Come make history with us. Get your tickets. They're going super fast. Number two, we launch a new podcast. Yep. It's called Obsessed with Abducted in Plain Sight, hosted by me and Sky Borgman, the director of the film. It's going to be four episodes dropping all of them at once on March 2nd. I would love it if you would go listen to the trailer and subscribe right now. It would really warm my heart. And I'm going to do the same bit every time. If you really turn it up to 10, you can hear me yes. cheering from the sidelines. Yes. It's, I'm there. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Also, you guys, if you want more Jillian and me, go to the Patreon. Over 100 full bonus episodes to download right this second. It's yeah. where we do our series that you want us to cover. Uh-huh. Girl, name three series on the pates. Don't F with Cats. Uh-huh. Aaron Hernandez. Uh-huh. OJ. Yeah, OJ Made in America. Mm. Uh, you guys, it's all ad free. You can get over a hundred full bonus episodes to binge and download right this very second. Yeah, and please join us. And you know, if you're into it, great. If you're not, okay. Yeah, that's fine too. All good. We love you. Loving you. <laughs> Girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a tale of two thieves about the great train robbery. So they call it the great British train robbery? You want to say bake-off, don't well, you? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, ever since the bake-off, is everything the great British dot, dot, dot? No, this came first. <laughs> the train robbery came first. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But is everything so great in Britain? I think there are some pretty great things over there. I do love me some London. I love, I was very happy to see my old friend London. <laughs> <laughs> she looks great. She does. <laughs> You're really keeping it tight, London. <laughs> she, she's just a 10 all across the board. <laughs> my name is Gordon Goody, and um, <laughs> what can I say about myself? Uh, nice guy, uh, pleasant, uh, pleasant buddy. But why are we talking to you? What, why are you so... Well, we're talking, we're talking, you're talking to me because of uh, something I've done 50 years ago. In August 1963, he was part of the gang that stole £2.6 million from the Glasgow to London mail train. I was in Kensington Gardens with Buster, and we had a meet with the Irishman. He knew, had information regarding money travelling on a travelling post office. It came from Glasgow. And I asked him what kind of dough we're talking about. He said, well, it could be up to five million pounds. When someone mentions five million pounds to you, I've never heard that offer before. The Irishman, when I found out who he really was, then he didn't want anybody else to know. So I said, all right, we'll just keep it between Buster and I. And we kept it between Buster and I for all these years, up until I met you. Well, I've got to say, looking at these two photographs here. Is that him? So we meet 
Gordon Goody, who's one of the guys behind the Great Train Robbery. Uh-huh. And it starts with him. He's like, my name is Gordon Goody. And uh, and then he just starts laughing. He's like, what can I say about myself? I'm pretty nice, I guess. And we just immediately, right out of the gate, with something I love, we hear the filmmaker. Yeah. And the filmmaker is like, but why are we talking to you? What? Why are you so... Well, we're talking, we're talking. You're talking to me because something I've done 50 years ago. Well, because 50 years ago, I, um, I did something. <laughs> What you did is steal millions of dollars from a train, and the robbery was so famous that it's known as the Great Train Robbery, and movies were made about it, and you stole from the Queen of England. You didn't just do something. You know, I've got a lot of feelings on the wealth of the royal family. I'm not sad that the Queen lost five million pounds in one day. Right, but it was like through the mail. I know. Listen, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Are you like a royal fan? I know nothing about the royal family. Like, I don't stay up to watch the weddings. Like, I just don't care. <laughs> Are you into that? No, I'm really fascinated by like the old stuff, like Elizabeth and like all of that stuff. Uh-huh. I'm really excited for Six coming to Broadway oh, about like same. Henry VIII's wives. Rude. Abby Mueller, girl, I'm looking at you. I cannot wait to see it. But I'm also really into Megxit. I've been following the Megxit situation pretty closely. Well, I'm all in like, if there's a toxic relationship, girl, you got to get out of it. Right. No, but the toxic relationship is with the country. It's not with her husband. No, no, no. With like, the, I thought the royal family was the toxic behavior. Yes, they've not been behaving. We are dealing with a situation in which a half African American woman married a prince and that brought out some racism in Really shaking things England. up over there. So uh, she's not a 10. Maybe she's an 8. You mean the country, not the Markle. Yes. No, who, Markle's great. Markle who wears the Rothies. Don't even get me started. Okay, we gotta focus. So the thing is, like, Gordon Goody is is an old man yes. at this point. He's very, he's like in his 80s. Yeah, and he's very just like, I stole a fucking train. He's very <laughs> just like, yeah. But he's very old school British, and he's just an older guy. Also, just for context, yeah. there's also an actor <gasps> who is very young and cute. And he's, he's so hot, you guys. He And he plays Gordon in the flashbacks. But it's not flashbacks because Gordon will be saying something to camera and then we'll cut to young Goody right. who like finishes the sentence and he'll try to be like, so listen here, this oh. looks like a Mont Blanc pen and then all this stuff and then you're just like, oh, so now we're getting the story from both of them. So in the edit, you'll hear like, yes. how did this, whose voice is this? It's young Goody. Right. So Gordon's like, look, I grew up in the Irish countryside and then, you know, moved to London. But my life in the country is very, very good and I've, I've really... I suppose you could say I am a country boy at heart. I returned to London where my parents lived here, 6 Commondale Putney. Now, it wasn't a great time to be living in London, to be honest. The Blitz was over, but there were still regular bombing raids all over the East End and in the docks. So, spoiler, this whole movie is leading up to this great train robbery and the potential unmasking of this person called the Irishman, who was like one of the people who made it happen. Yeah, so there were a bunch of people involved and he just took his money and ran, which I'm like, girl, that's how you do something like this. Yeah, and for the context, this is like the 60s. Right, so yeah, it's England 1963, super mod. Even the graphics are very like Mad Men, the colors, the music. It's It's cool. It's all very exciting. Yeah. What's also exciting, we meet another PI, everybody, (laughs) Martin Young. My big question for this guy was like, how do you think it's different to be a PI in England versus in the United States? Well, he's not as excited about being a PI. (laughs) Martin's just here to go to work. (laughs) And I just want a little more razzle-dazzle with it. Gene, you find Potentially provided the information you've got is correct. It's been a while since this guy met met the fellow, but potentially, yes. So they're looking for the Irishman who was never caught, and he disappeared 50 years ago with, like, the equivalent of 2.5 million, even back then. Exactly. So here's what we know from this nameless filmmaker. Yeah. Who we learn later is named something. We'll get to it. (laughs) 
But I say, give yourself a lower third, girl. <laughs> you guys, like documentary making 101, don't tell me that we couldn't make an Academy Award winning documentary Stop at this point. Stop it. It's I know. just on the lower thirds alone. Best lower thirds go to us. Like, enough. <laughs> just tell us who you are. Like, every five seconds. Yeah. Even if I just saw you, I want to see you again. So here's what we know from this nameless filmmaker that we'll probably hear about later. What we do know is he was in his possibly early 40s. He was quite well-dressed. He wore glasses. And the other thing that Gordon's told us, which is something he's never told anybody before, is the guy's name. And then, as they're listening to this, it's like, oh, Gordon Goody told the filmmaker this dude's name. Right, exactly. And I'm like, oh, okay. So the filmmakers asked this Martin Young guy if he can help track down this guy, or because he's in his 90s now, right. at least find <laughs> out like what happened to him. Yeah, I get the sense that this train robbery is like a really like mythic big deal in London, and we've just never heard of it. There are movies and like miniseries made about it. So this filmmaker is at the same time getting Gordon's story about the heist and trying to figure out who this other guy is. That's what this whole documentary is about, you guys. And it, we just like cut back and forth. So then we have like cool, sexy music. We're back to Goody. Yeah. And he's like, No, I don't consider myself um, a gangster. No, I'm just uh, an ordinary, uh, an ordinary thief. I don't consider myself a gangster. <laughs> no. And all I could think about was Goodfellas. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Like, cue rags to riches. I was just like, someone, someone filmmaker who shall be named later watched Goodfellas before he made this documentary. It's just ridiculous because this guy is so fucking old and he's like, I'm just an ordinary thief. Which of course makes us love him more, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because he's like, you know. He's also like dressed to the nines. Gordon is wearing like a tie and a suit and a hat. He has like eight dogs and every once in a while they just like walk like into frame and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm distracted. I'm so sorry. Exactly. And Gordon, he also says more things where you're like, oh, don't make me be charmed by this guy. Uh -huh. he's, he's a robber. I've never looked for fame as a criminal. You know, I've never wanted to be known as a good criminal. I, I know I'd rather take a step back and stand in the background, really, not to be known because of many, many, quite a lot of reasons. But he's like, I don't want to be a famous criminal. I just want to be a good criminal. <laughs> I have priorities, it's, okay? <laughs> I wasn't in it to be identified, and I'm like, okay, smart. This is also where he tells us, like, the thing about, one of the reasons he didn't want to be, like, a famous criminal is because he, like, stands out. But he's basically like, I'm very tall and very handsome. Well, we get the flashback hot actor who's like, look at me. I'm tall, I got blue eyes, blonde hair, I'm beautiful. If you're an average, normal-sized guy, you got far less likely to be pulled out of a lineup than someone like myself. I mean, I've got blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful. I'm six foot three, you know? And I was like, actually, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> but did a bro write that copy? <laughs> And so Gordon's like, look, I'm a country boy at heart. You know, the the first like illegal thing I can remember is we would just go around killing other people's chickens. <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. This is the disconnect. He doesn't say killing. He says. And then that was when I first, you could say, that's when I first got involved in something criminal. But I didn't see it as anything seriously criminal. And myself and another guy, Arthur, we used to go out and just nicker chicken here and there. They would nick chickens and nick means steal. So I've had to do a lot of side googing. But the nick is also prison. It's also jail. I know. There is so much of this. Think I didn't side goog? <laughs> <laughs> nick a chicken. Okay. Whatever. Can we get to the goddamn famous robbery with the millions of dollars and stealing from the queen? It's, I'm fortunately not for like another 45 minutes. And then what we do it's for 30 seconds. God. I don't know anything. Don't ask me a single question about this robbery. I know that it happened. I know that Gordon Goody was there. I know that there was an assembly line and I know that we don't know who the goddamn Irishman is. I just know that I have a lot of questions mm -hmm. is what I know. So Gordon's like, look, I wasn't really into school. Uh, I wanted to stop going to school when I was a teenager, but my dad uh, just really
really wanted me to have a career. So his dad wanted him to be a plumber. But Gordon, in his words, is like, I want to be a burglar. So they disagreed about this. So Gordon's like, screw you guys. I'm leaving. You you don't want your teenage son to live a life of crime. How dare you? I know. I have my rights and I'm leaving. So then Gordon tells us. Well, my mother used to look after me. She would meet me in cinemas and different parks and things like that. And she'd bring me food and she'd give me money and that sort of thing. As mothers do. Which is what I would do, by the way. 100%. I'd be like, my baby! Right. Because the thing is, the last fight, like, they would fight and draw blood. Like, yeah, these yeah, fights yeah. were not good between yeah. him and his dad. And so she'd bring him food and money. And then all of a sudden, she's giving him, like, tuppence, a bag, or whatever. <laughs> Mary Poppins, everybody. And so the dad, like, pulls up as she they're having this, like, secret meeting. And then... I thought, oh, here we go again. We're going to have another row here. Anyway, so he said, no, sit down, son. He said, he said look, I want you to come home. Come home, he says, and we'll never talk about it again. And I, it, brings tears, it brings tears to my eyes to watch that. And this is what happened, you know? It, um, we, we had the greatest relationship possible between him and I, you know? We'll totally sweep it under the rug. We never have to talk about it again. <laughs> Just please come home. Which, again, is what I would do. Like, parents, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm not saying in every situation, but rather than having your hot, lanky, blonde-haired, blue-eyed son out working the streets, could you just, like, give him a bed to sleep in? Yeah, you could apologize for the fight. Right. <laughs> apologize for your part in the fight totally. if blood was drawn. And also have him at home and encourage him not to be a bank robber. That's also a thing. Yeah. So then he's like, okay, fine. So instead of being a burglar, he decides to try the Navy because the thing about the Navy was yeah. that they gave you this thing where it's like the Siemens booklet. Yeah. Are you okay? You're going to make a joke like you're a teenage boy? No! You're good? Okay. I did think about it, but I actively decided not to make a joke. Okay, great. Because actually my joke started with the fact that he said I tried to work a few straight jobs. Yeah, with the Siemens booklet, I know. But the, that book, You made me. I will have the record show. You made me make the joke. No. In therapy, we learn nobody makes you do anything. You can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. You enticed me into making the joke. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so the thing about this are book. You okay? Are you gonna... <laughs> okay. The word Siemens here. Are you all right, girl? <laughs> Trigger warning. Gay stuff. Now, the best thing about the Navy was that they gave you a Siemens book, which gave you free passage anywhere in the world, no questions asked. I thought this might come in handy later on. This seems like a very bad plan. Passports exist for a reason, British Navy. I think we should honor them. Right, and Gordon's like, this might be a good thing for me later on. Right. I will join the Navy for this free passport, and then we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler, doesn't go great. I spent maybe three years, four years in Soho. I was just bombing around the West End, stealing everything and anything that wasn't uh, nailed down, if you like, you know? Here's the thing. So I love London. I've been many times in the West End is where we always stay. That's where the theaters are. That's where the theater is. That's where the theater is. And Soho is right next door. And I love it. I love London so much. Yeah. Well, anyway. So the thing is, back in the 60s, the black market was thriving because everything needed to be rationed. They were like, cash is king. Everyone was getting paid in cash. Like, it was a goldmine for petty thieves like these guys. Those were the days, as young Goody says. Exactly. So now we're back with the PI and the filmmaker. And they're checking in on finding the Irishman. And are you seem excited about this. I was bored to death every time the stupid the PI looks like he hates his life. Well, nothing ever comes of it. Like, we just check back in, and it's like, so did you find anything? And they're like, no. And they're like, okay, great. And then we go back to Gordon. So now Gordon's talking about, like, the good old days of just robbing everybody uh, and everything all the time. And so there's someone named Jimmy the Yank that we hear about. Jimmy the Yank? Uh, he, excuse me. He was another layabout. Oh, excuse me. 
uh, Gordon was playing around gross with this young girl who ran away from her foster parents. But not like a young, like of age girl. Yeah, he was a kid too. Exactly. I hope. I mean, God, this is wishful thinking at this point. I was trying my best to follow this story, but what we learn is that Jimmy the Yank, another layabout, is his friend. And separately, he's like hanging out with this young bird. I know, young bird. <laughs> and they're like at his flat and, you know, the police know about him because he's like a casual robber of things. Mm-hmm. And the police like kicked down his door because they fancied him. Police fancied me. The police fancied me. And one day, laying in bed with her, the door came in. Policeman came in. Da, 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 da. Get out of bed. And she was in bed and uh, we, we were both starkers. And um, they were more interested in, in the young bird. She wasn't a bad sort as it happens. They were both starker, which means naked. Right. And the police who were there to arrest him were much more interested in her. He says young bird. And I'm like, yeah, you mean the underage runaway? Yeah, dude. He says they took us to the Hammersmith Nick. That's jail. That means jail. Yeah. And then they take away his Siemens book. Right. Which he needs because he's going to be a world-class robber, you guys. Right. And so he tells us. Now, I had this acquaintance and he said he knew this crooked cosser who for 800 quid would snaffle back my Siemens book from Hammersmith Nick. That he knew a guy who knew a crooked crosser, which is like a crooked cop. Right, he basically, I knew a guy who knew a guy who could get me my book back so I can travel around the world with no questions asked. But I want to say all the words! Okay, good. I'll crooked. translate it after. Go ahead. <laughs> he knew a, a guy who knew a crooked crosser. That's all. That's the only word. You for- can't say it without doing the accent. If you want to say all the words, you have to say the words. Do we not remember my failed Christopher Walken from the Natalie Wood episode? I think I've got <laughs> <laughs> crooked crosser. There you go. Uh, oh, I knew a guy who knew a crooked crosser for 800 quid. He would snaffle me back my Siemens book from the Hammersmith's neck. Every time you do an impression, it just goes to Grover. Every time. <laughs> You're such a dad. That's your dad joke. Your dad joke is not wholesome jokes. Your dad uh-huh. joke is that all of your impressions just become Grover. You know that Grover is like alive and well and lives in our house. Oh, I know. Like it's Daisy's favorite thing. So Grover is like the one thing I can do. Right. Hello, Jillian. Hi, Grover. Hello, Jillian. I am so happy to be here with you. Oh, Grover, I love I am being recording here with you. this episode of Two Grab Ups. I love you, Grover. <laughs> So this inspires the filmmaker to take us back to the very first time that this goody guy went to jail. Right. Wormwood Scrubs prison when he was 17 because he stole some guy's wallet and he was sentenced to 21 months. And then he's like, anyway, I got out. (laughs) And the minute he gets out, he's like, you know what I really want to do? Blow up a safe. (laughs) And he says, when you go in prison, you don't know anyone. But when you come out, you know everyone of any value or any value to you and the Land you got, you know. So he, of course, knows a guy who knows a guy who's like, girl, like, we can blow up a safe. It's actually pretty easy. You want to come blow up a safe? Let's go. <laughs> There's all this old footage of, like, these safe doors being blown off. And then he tells us the story about the one time he did it wrong and the safe blew into his head, basically, and he almost died. Yeah. And one's gone in. And I'm fiddling around with the other one. The other one's gone. <laughs> Things gone off. It gone off so fucking quickly. Well, the door... Buckled the door come off. Yeah, but I, I, I was suffering from concussion. I see a Charlie, I said, I just nearly fucking killed myself tonight. This is why I'm not a criminal. Jillian, can you imagine no. if I tried to blow open a safe? No. Can you imagine? No. Like, no. <laughs> you like, would never even get that far. No. Like, the idea that you think that you would even be at the, like, three, two, one, blow up the safe, like, that you would even make it to that point is ridiculous. <laughs> Just me, like, duct taping, like, dynamite sticks to a safe. Can you imagine? With, like, that cartoon music in the background. Totally. Just <laughs> looking over your shoulder. 
I just nodding, and it's a silent movie for some reason. And it now. just says kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like me with like charcoal all over my face. And you're just blinking. Right. And there's like the birds tweeting all over your, over your head. I would be a really bad criminal in case that hasn't come up before. Be terrible at it. Yeah, I'd be re- absolutely <laughs> terrible. Can at you it. imagine? Oh, you guys, we meet a train robber finally. Another one, Buster Edwards. <laughs> I know. And Goody met him at the Palladium at a Sammy Davis Jr. show. And Buster and his friends came in late and Sammy Davis Jr. got mad. He was like, well, he didn't, he didn't cause a fit or anything. But he basically, he was just doing a bit. Sammy Davis is sort of, we made a, got into, not a tantrum, but he's going, yeah, why would I? You missed this and you missed that. He said, I'll do it all again. Sammy! I know. Then we meet Bruce Reynolds, who's a jewel thief. And in his words, in an interview, yeah. he's like, whatever you do, do the best job you can. So once I became, in my own mind's eye, that I was going to be a thief, I wanted to be, if not the best, naturally I aspire to be the best, but I wanted to be one of the best. I wanted peer group recognition, naturally. I wanted to be the best jewel thief and I wanted to be famous for it, so thank you so much for having me for this interview. And Gordon's like, that's not me. We're very opposite, as you can see. I wanted to be a good thief. He wanted to be a famous one. So Goody tells us that when you would get a job as a crook, they call it a piece of work. And the first piece of real, work- Real piece of work. A real, real That's the kind of piece of work I know. Oh, real, oh, this one. Did you see that she moved in? Did you, did you see the couch they had? I saw them with the move is real piece of work. I can tell just by looking at her. That's the kind of piece of work I know. Just, I want you to do that for four hours. I can tell just by looking at her. She's a real piece of work. Did you see the look she gave him when you know, he came in? How was the wallpaper in the downstairs bath? You know, it's fine. It's fine. It's like, it's not my taste. But for her, it's like you can tell like exactly who she is. You know, she's like one of those. She's a real piece of work. You, you know, you know, I knew her in high school. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. I'll tell you about her father later. You don't even want to know, okay? The stories with that family, that that whole family's like that. It's the whole family, too. It's like it's just who they are. You know when the whole family's like that? It's how you learn. It's how you grow up. It's just who she is, you know? Whatever. She's nice enough, though. I'll invite her. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Um but so Goody tells us that the first piece of work he ever did was with that guy Bruce and it was at Bruce's actual work cuz he worked at a bookmaker's. Yeah, and so he's saying that like the guy that was like bringing the money for to pay people, like they decided that when he's like walking towards them, they're just going to punch him and like take the money and run. And then Goody's like Nobody got hurt. Nice and sweet. <laughs> that was it. It's pretty good. Nice and sweet. No one got hurt. Bada bing, bada boom. We were out. He introduces us to his Spanish companion and they show us a picture of it. And it's a thing. It's like a thing you bonk somebody in the head with. Yeah. He called it a... Frightener. A stinger. A frightener. A a stinger. (laughs) Goody. Remember remember at the top of the movie where he's like, um, I guess I'm sitting here because I'm a nice fella. Right. And that's really it. Goody. Punching people in the stomach, taking the money and running. Okay. I also just feel like nobody back then was equipped to handle burglars. Like, I feel like something would happen and somebody would steal the money and everybody would just stand there and be like, well, I guess the money's gone And the British are like, I'm so sorry. I know. So I just have, we're back to the boring PI. And guess what? There's still no news, guys. We'll let you know if anything turns up. And oh, this is where we learn that the filmmaker is named Simon. But only thanks to the closed captions. Not a lower third in sight. So now, P.I. stuff, nothing happens, blah, 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 blah. So now, like, the cool music is back. And I'm like, okay, we're back to goody. Great, great, great. So old Gordon says, because I have in my notes, like, when young Gordon says it and when old Gordon says it. I have it as, like, young hot Gordon. Okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Obviously, they're your notes. So old Gordon is like, we thought we could do anything. 
Honestly, honestly, at that time, everything we went on was sort of heavy, but in most cases, anything we went on, we succeeded. Well, we were convinced we could do anything, mostly because we succeeded at everything. <laughs> we always so... got away with it. So they tell us the story. They were like going to knock over an armored car, you guys, like almost literally. So what they do, and again, it seems like it was also easy back then. We knew the exact route it was going, but along the way, there were some roadworks. And so to do it as we wanted to do it in a quiet place, we had to put it on an alternative route. They had to divert this armored car full of money to like a quiet location where like they could just rob it and nobody would care. So they put like road signs on the road. And so like that seems simple enough. Yeah. Except for the fact that this one like do-gooder sees that like the sign shouldn't be there. We put up the t turn left sign to make the lorry go where we wanted it. He must have thought, well, they, they shouldn't be there and he moved the road signs. It's a cartoon. It's a cartoon from start to finish. He like turns the arrow in the other direction and then all yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> and like nobody told Gordon. So Gordon comes like flying down the street in his car, not expecting the armored car. Bruce has now come in front of the truck and he went boss head on. It's like, <laughs> isn't that from some British show? Totally. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, the arrow's supposed to be going this way, Mike. <laughs> like, so, oh my God. And they're like, we're just trying to steal the money, old fella. <laughs> Hello, Governor. Governor. <laughs> Please, sorry. We love the British people. I love the British. I know you guys have so many dialects and accents. I'm I not going to try to do Cockney. I'm not that cool. No. So the cartoon music continues, and like all of the people everywhere are coming out of the cars. Gordy and his friend are jumping out of his car. The guy in the armored truck is jumping out of his car. The guy who turned the sign the other way is coming out of a building. They are all clobbering each other. Right. And it's like Gordy's on the bottom of the pile trying to climb over everybody to like reach into the armored car and get the bags of money. Yeah. The security guard at the side, the door wasn't locked. I pulled the doors up like that. And he was going back in, and his legs were, and I grabbed his legs like that. So he's half in and half out with the back part of the and Charlie's climbed over me, gave the guy a clump, and that was it, we had the prize. 70 grand. It makes no sense. And then it cuts to him being like, sometimes I just didn't want to rob banks that day. Sometimes I just wanted to go fishing. And I'm like, you contain multitudes, don't you, Gordy? What's going on here? Sometimes he just wanted to have a nice fish for himself. <laughs> All right, so we're back to Simon, and he is- Simon's the producer. He's the one who's, like, going to the boring PI guy. Yeah, well, he ditched him for now. Right. Because we meet Arielle Bruce. I love her. I'm a qualified social worker, but I don't think that's why you're here. Uh, and I also trace missing people, mostly missing family members. She's like, I'm a social worker, but I don't think that's why you're here. No. So she- She's like the Deanna of London. If you guys have watched Don't F With Cats. Don't watch it. Just listen to us. Too. Totally. Please. I love you too much. Don't. Please don't put yourself through that. So Ariel's like, great. I have no information for you, but she does give a PSA of sorts. Yeah. She's much more helpful than this bored, probably alcoholic PI that hates his job. Right. Which is fine. Yeah. Let's not. People can do whatever they choose to I do. I agree. So Ariel's like, look. It's a, a common name. Um, there'll be in the hundreds of people, not that you could say are in their mid-40s, but I would take that with a pinch of salt coming from a man who was 32. I think that people's perception of other people's ages uh, it can be very varied. So if he thinks that, for example, he's 45, I would want to search the period, let's say, from 39 to... 53. I've been screaming about how bad I am at guessing ages for years, and I thought it was like, everyone's like, really? It's not that hard. Ariel says it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy to do, and when in doubt, go down. 
Yes, absolutely. Round down. I never ask women if they're pregnant. Why do we have to say this out loud? Or just like, congrats. (laughs) Don't make any assumptions. You dicks. If you do that, you're a dick. It's ab- if you're like, yeah, what are you, like 40? Like, you're a dick. <laughs> wow, when delivery days, any time. TikTok. Yeah, like, oh, you look great for pregnant. No, even if you think it's a compliment, don't do I it. I know. All right, you guys, it's time to talk about the Heathrow Airport job. And Charlie Wilson. Yeah, so this is another piece of work that they got. So they're going to work today, and they're going to rob the airport. And the whole thing about this is, remember, cash was king at this point. Like, when people got paid, everyone just got, like, envelopes of cash. They called them wage packets. Right. <laughs> And I, so I said, I have in my notes, I was like, wage packets are dot, 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 paychecks? <laughs> it's funny. Wages. But I, I think it's cash because you can't just steal paychecks. That's not going to get you anywhere. You get wage packets, just envelopes and envelopes filled with money. <laughs> you guys, also, we're going to get to a train full of bags and bags of money. This all seems like a very bad idea. That we're going to the queen. I love the idea that there's like a Buckingham Palace has a train entrance where they just come in and they unload the hundred bags of cash. Like a Hogwarts, <laughs> so the train just goes right into it. And the queen just sits there. Like sipping her Earl Grey. The mail is read to her. (laughs) Junk. 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 This is why Megan has to get out of there, you guys. You can't live like that. You can't. The people involved, it's Goody, Charlie, Buster, and Bruce. And they have figured out a way that if you take the lift, aka elevator, Mm -hmm. to the second floor of this like area of Heathrow, you can see the bank where the people who are going to deliver the wage packets, where they're like filling the van. Right. So two of them, or however many of them, go up the elevator and they're like watching. They see them like filling the van full of envelopes of cash because that's how you pay people, apparently. In, the, in 1963 in London. Okay. <laughs> And then they see the van driving and they know that these people with the wage packets have to go up the elevator. So what do they do? They get in the elevator. Right. So as the doors open, they're confronted with us and they've done what was right. They got one of them got a clump or two got a clump, but they just surrendered straight away. When the door opens and the guys with the wage packets try to get on, they just beat the shit out of them. Right. And they needed like two of London's best getaway drivers. <laughs> Roy James and Mickey Bull. Okay. <laughs> Probably not real names. But then, so they steal the wage packets from the lift, from yeah. the elevator. And so their big foil was this like chain link fence that they had to get through. So this was kind of amazing. They have this guy. What he does is he like, they cut out an area of the fence and they replaced it with these fake chain links that they could just pull apart. They were magnetized. Right. So that they could like then slip through it. That's genius. Except for the fact that these fucking idiots get to the fence and they can't remember what part is real and what part is It was too isn't. good. <laughs> they made a very, very good job of it. You couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. And it was a matter of then just pulling it apart. And we had a pair of bolt cutters in the car as well for emergencies. And um, when Charlie went out to open the, the chain, couldn't find the bus. It was so good he couldn't find it. So eventually he had to chop it with bolt cutters. Guys, you didn't give this a, a practice run? Right, but they had, you know, Old Faithful, Tommy the Cutter, because they just <laughs> ended up cutting the chain. So I'm like, you could have just cut it all along. I imagine that the actual scene of this, again, has like the derpy dirt music under it. Well, they're like frantically picking at the it's fence. It's over there to the right, love. <laughs> just over there, a couple more chain links to the left, I think. And then Tommy the Cutter's got to pull out his cutters and just cut the way through the fence, and then they all just slip through. And they're like, what? Is it over there? No, no, no. What? <laughs> I can't eat. What? <laughs> Just cut it. Oh, it's, bloody hell. It's going to get caught on me trousers. Just cut it. <laughs> what? So Gordon's like, we were really good at what we did, but not really because you guys, guess what? They all get arrested again. But they're in. 
Old Gordon calls it the identity parade. It's a lineup. <laughs> the identity parade is actually called a march, and we will continue to call it a march until we all have our equal rights. How dare you? The identity parade. I love that. So he gets off, right? Yeah. After the trial, Gordon, the audacity of this bitch, goes up to the prosecutor, and they're outside, and it's so British because they like exchange pleasantries, and he's like, you know, congrats, no hard feelings, says the prosecutor. And he had the, uh, the chain. And um, I, I said to him, I said, well, you're a forensic uh, officer. He wasn't all that clever, was he? So he said, what do you mean? So I said, well, he hadn't seen this, did he? And I pulled it. It's the biggest mistake I've made in my criminal career. Oh, look, your forensics really sucked. They didn't pull out this cool chain link thing my friends made and, like, <laughs> hands it to the prosecutor, that fake chain that was just yeah. supposed to pull apart. Goody <laughs> hands it to the prosecutor saying, like, real tough luck there, old chum. <laughs> He goes, that was my, the biggest mistake of my criminal career. Right, exactly. Do you think we're getting to the train anytime soon? <laughs> Does this have anything to do with the train? <laughs> the Great British Bake Off train robbery? With the chain link, whatever, <laughs> and the Irishman? Whatever. Uh, girl, get ready. What? We're at the train robbery. Are we? Yeah, we're there. Okay, great. So Goody is telling us, like, look, people were saying that there was, like, leaders and subordinates. He's like... No leaders at all. It was just a group of... I suppose you could call us determined thieves. Just determined thieves. And he goes, my role in the planning was, well, you plan it like you plan any robbery. Basically like, you dummy. Like, Gordon, we're here to learn about the Grey Giant robbery. Like, can you give us a little? Well, you know, we, just, we robbed it. Right. Gordon, a little bit more if you could. A little bit more. Oh, my God. And so he's saying to us, like, my two major areas of concern were how to stop a train and where to do it. We just didn't know how to stop a train. We soon realized we needed some help. Guys, we're going to be cutting back and forth between old Gordy and fake young Gordy a lot in this section. So sometimes you're going to hear an old man talking and sometimes you're going to hear like a hot young blonde guy talking. Right. Can I just say one thing? Sure. We don't know why they want to rob the train. Right. We don't. We're just like at a train suddenly. And yeah. it's like if I didn't do all the side googing, like it's very confusing. <laughs> Maybe it's like a fun wild ride if you're just watching it. But when you have to like understand it and talk about it, uh -huh. I'm like, why are they robbing this train? <laughs> We don't learn about the Royal Mail for like another half an hour. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh my God. So and why the Royal Mail? I know. <laughs> like what is so valuable in it? Oh. So Gordon tells us, look, we needed to add some muscle. So they decided to work with a, the South London gang. That does not sound safe. Make a movie about that. I know. <laughs> you guys, I'm telling you, this happens in all of the cartoons that Daisy watches. Like, I was like, oh, I know this story. Yeah, yeah. They're going to basically like hop on the train and then separate the cars. Yeah, well, they have to figure out how to stop the train. Yes. Especially because postal workers are going to be on the train and they're <laughs> follow the rules. Ooh. So they needed like extra muscle. And that's why they get the South London gang. And so they realized that there's only one place that they can stop the train and actually they don't have to stop the train at all. The train's going to stop itself at a place called Sears Crossing. Right. And then there's this bridge which is where they need to get the train to where they can kind of rob it under cover of this bridge. And both of those locations are just like a few yards away. The next concern was what to do with the money when we had it. Now Bruce and I were in favour of a stow, somewhere to lay low until the heat had died down. Well the plan was first of all to find a, a place that was easy access for what we wanted for our transport and that. 
an overseer place out of the way. They find a farmhouse 27 miles from the bridge that they're going to use as their safe house. Right. So it's the night of the train robbery, y'all, and Goody is hiding in like some field or something. They're just like sitting in the darkness waiting for the train to come. Right. <laughs> they're just sitting there. What time you got, mate? <laughs> I don't know, love. Tea time. Am I right? Keep your voice down. The train's coming. What? In the darkness? Just waiting? Oh, my God. I honestly was like, are we going to have anything to say about this episode? So... The thing is, the guy who's driving the train, like the good guy, his name is Mills, yeah. and Goody tells us, like... Mills in his own way was a hero, as I see him. He was, he was a bit of a hero, you know? And uh, he fought Buster off the, off the thing. Buster couldn't get up. Buster couldn't get up at all. And I went down the other side to the, the other side of the thing and pulled uh, Mills away from the where he was kicking Buster down. Mills kind of a hero in this moment because the train stops and we see like clips from the I guess the movie they made about this yeah 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 the Mills guy the the driver is sitting there just like minding his own business and all of a sudden the door opens and a masked man and that guy Buster that we learned about he bounces in this guy Mills just literally kicks him out the door with his foot Gordon's like (laughs) credit where credit's due (laughs) did a good thing Buster's like I'm here to whoa 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 whoa." (laughs) (laughs) you all right love (laughs) So the, anyway, they bully the actual driver into driving the train. And now they've got to go to this like mail car room. They break in. It's all these like weird middle-aged men. But the thing is, it's not subtle. Like they're kicking the door in. Like it's terrifying. But And then you see the look on these like actors' faces and they are terrified. And then one second later, they're all like hogtied to each other. Right. <laughs> and then there's like 15 robbers and they're doing an assembly line where they're throwing these bags of cash down the line. There was a chain. One to the other, which you could actually, if you wanted to, get them, throw them, and throw them down and land on the, on the floor beside the thing. But it was all done. It was all done correctly. And, and Gordon's like, they were heavy. I was super <laughs> tired after. Like, it's a lot of work to do that. So they get all the money and they run to that farmhouse. In all, it was 120 bags of cash, right? Oh and they, I don't know what they're using to transport the cash, but they get it the 28 miles away to this farmhouse. Right. And Goody tells us, like, everyone went to bed. He's like, uh, you guys, I stayed up all night terrified looking out the window. Right, making sure they weren't going to get caught for stealing. But he tells us that the Irishman, the, the other part of this movie where, like, we're trying to figure out who this Irishman guy is. Right. Goody tells us... The Irishman got out of the van and they had a false bottom in the in the van. And they just took their money, put it into the, into the bottom of the van, and, and they took off. Because honestly, that's how you do something like this. Right. You just disappear <laughs> after it. You don't become friends with the people you robbed the I Queen's know. mail with. I know. <laughs> you just go away. Like, why is this so shocking to people? I know, I know. So now we're back to like the days after the train robbery, right? right? So what happens is like there are people that they suspect who did it and they put their names and their pictures in the paper. In the Good- Daily Mail. The Daily Mail. And Goody is not one of them. So Goody is like, the heat's getting getting hot in here. I'm getting out of town. I'm going like up north to see this other young bird that right. I know. So he meets this girl at a hotel and the woman behind the counter sees this picture in the paper and it just happens that Gordon looks enough like one of the guys he robbed the train with. Right. Whose picture is in the paper that this woman thinks Gordon is the guy in the paper. Because... Bruce wore thick horn-rimmed glasses, the same as I, I used to at the same time. They're fashionable at that time. And I walked in there, and the bird behind the counter 
She thought that I was Bruce Reynolds, would you believe? Goodies is just like, would you believe? Meaning like, I'm so much hotter than Bruce. Exactly. How dare she confuse us? Totally. The crazy thing is this woman calls the police and he gets arrested. And what's so crazy about that is that like he actually did the crime. He just wasn't in that photo lineup that they put in the paper. Right. He just looked like one of the guys he robbed the train with. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's that. that is a real, just like, oh man. I know. So close. And so hot young blonde Goody is now taking us to like through the trial. And he's basically saying like, the gist of the evidence was that the yellow paint found on the sole of my suede shoe matched the yellow paint that had been used to paint the lorry at the farm to disguise its identity. Yellow paint had also been found on the pedal of the Jeep. Khaki paint, also found on my sole, was said to match the other Jeep. Goody is totally guilty. He admits it. He yeah. admitted it then. He admits it now. But the evidence was nothing against him. So this is a case of them basically like framing a guilty man. Because he's like, I never drove any of the vehicles. And if there was yellow paint found on the sole of my shoe and on the pedals of the Jeep, why was there none found on the floor matting of the Jeep, as photographic evidence proved there wasn't? I wasn't even wearing suede shoes on the day of the robbery. If I had been, they'd have been destroyed immediately. I'm a professional criminal. It's standard operating procedure for all items of clothing to be destroyed immediately after you've done a piece of work. But he got away with the last thing. He right. ran his mouth with the prosecutor, giving them the chain late. Like, it was his time to be arrested. Exactly. And the cops were like, girl, whatever which way, yeah. we're arresting you. It's true. And the evidence against him is sufficient. And the jury finds him guilty. Yeah. He thinks he's going to get 20 years. He gets 30 years in jail. Yeah. One of the train robbers, Ronnie Biggs, escaped after one year. And then he just, like, oh, yeah. get hammered and tell everyone <laughs> in the bar who he was. But then he, like, absconds to Brazil. Yeah, in 1970. But like for a couple years, he was like, I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. You guys, it's me, Ronnie Biggs. But Drinks all around. <laughs> he just would get hammered. That's another reason you'd be a bad criminal. Totally. You'd get hammered and tell everybody at Five Napkin Burger that it was <laughs> you who did it. It's true. So it sort of ends with this whole unmasking of the Irishman because Ariel, the social worker slash like human finder is on the case and she essentially goes to Ireland and she finds, like she tracks down the guy and she's like, Now realizing that I had a Patrick McKenna of the right age, working at the right time, the only one that the post office employed at that time. And he's born in Belfast. At that stage, I started to think that perhaps we were uh, on the home stretch. If all the information we have is correct, this is literally the only person it could be. So the filmmaker, Simon, gets all these photos of this guy and he brings it to Gordon. Because Gordon's like, I'm not going to tell you who he is. If you can find out on your own, fine. But like, I'm not going to tell you, you know. But I'll just tell you his name I know. and his age and the last time I saw him and where we met. And totally. Like, come on. And so Simon gives the pictures to Gordon. You can see it happens in real time. Gordon's face is like, Oh my God. Yeah, they're trying to get Gordon to recognize him. This person that he kind of barely knew. He knew for a short time 50 years ago. Yeah. So if the documentary is trying to say that if Gordon could recognize this guy and give us the okay, then we found the guy. And so Gordon's like... With you coming up now with this photograph and got over the, the surprise, if you like, you know, as I say, I've got, I've got to give you a 99. I'm going to say it's 99. <laughs> That it is him. But he's like, I'm not going to say 100% to spare the family from the image they have of their father. I'm like, then why are we here? Then the filmmaker's like, but you're saying it's 100%, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah girl. Yeah, girl, it's 100%. <laughs> Can I go back to the beach with my wife and my dogs now? Like, Well, and it's one of those things where I was like, there must have been some technicality that he got out of jail after two years. No, this bitch served his whole term. Yeah, he did. So he like serves his whole term, gets out, moves to the south of Spain, meets this hot young woman. And now he's like living out his days, like drinking margaritas on the beach. With their six dogs. And he's like, 
I've had a good life. I've had a good life, you know. I'm happy as I am at the moment, and uh, I've got a good woman around me, and we've been together, and we've been happy, and I suppose everything uh, is, um, well, as good as it can be, I suppose, for everybody. I had a pretty good life, honestly, <laughs> looking back on it. Pretty fun. Some ups and downs, but I like it. End up on Spain with my the love of my life and a couple of pets. All right. You did it. Worth it. <laughs> We did it. We got through it. That was a crazy one. It was crazy. You guys, just a, a reminder real quick. Come see us on Broadway. June 1st. We're making history. We're doing it. First podcast on Broadway. Come see us. And the Pates, you guys. Lady where, Pates. Where we do all of our series. Over 100 full bonus episodes to binge right the second. Making a Murderer. Serial. The Jinx. Yeah. Madeline McCann. Don't have with cats. Aaron Hernandez. You guys, it's oh, so much stuff. There's come see us. Yeah. Ringtones and, and ad-free stuff and after parties. There's a whole lot. So, so more than you can even handle. But try to handle it. <laughs> Don't want to turn you off. Exactly. Hey, girl, I'm, I'm turning the tables. I'm sick of always being put on the spot. Oh! You tell me what we're doing next. How about that? <laughs> you guys, next week we're doing Up and Vanish from Oxygen. So it's my Sweet Pain Lindsay's podcast turned, I guess it's just one episode on Oxygen? Yeah, it's like the Up and Vanish special about yeah. Tara Grinstead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I thought it was like a multi-episode thing. It's not. It's one episode about Tara Grinstead, which is the podcast that he did. Right. I have 10 million stories about him. Yeah, there was some stuff with him in the past, right? I, I wasn't on the Pain Lindsay train. The good one or the bad one. So I'm, this is all very new to me. Well, the pain Lindsay train is all good. Great. So I'll fill everybody in. He is the cutest boy in America. You love him. I love. Really love. He can I'm, really wear a pair of khakis. That's true. Good pair. He's a good slacks wearer. He once put his hands over my eyes and made me guess who he was, and it was one of my favorite days. Okay. Well, we'll get into it. We don't really have the time. This is the actress, sweetheart. We're saying bye. We're saying say goodbye to everybody. Say goodnight, Patrick. Good night. <laughs> Girl, where can they find us? They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. It's where you get your merch codes, where you get the Patreon, live shows, all that goodness. Yeah. Uh, you're Jillian with a G on all the socials. On all the, on the social meds. On the social meds. You're Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram and at Patrick Hines on Twitter. We love you. We love you. All right, bye. Bye. It's a small town and everybody knows everybody but people are not who you may think they are, and monsters are real. Tara Grinstead was last seen heading home from a barbecue with friends. We don't have any leads. Osceola came together and we did a search. It was clear the killer was someone in their midst, but they didn't know who. For two years, I dedicated every day to this case, searching for the truth. No more silence, no more small town secrets. If somebody does know something, then I'm trying to find out. Police say Ryan Alexander Duke broke into her home, robbed and killed the teacher with his bare hands, and then hid the body. I don't believe that Ryan participated in this crime alone. I think two people were involved in the murder. I heard Bo Duke's name from several former friends and classmates of Ryan Duke right when Ryan Duke was arrested. The government thinks he's a liar. How do they know which one's the lie and which one's the truth? If you're confessing to a murder, there's only one version of what happened. But did he do it? Tell the truth. That's my message. Just tell the truth. We don't have the truth yet. We need to know it all. I just 
just know that I have a lot of questions mm-hmm. is what I know. But did you ever nick a chicken? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I just remember thinking like, what is rationing and why is that happening? Yeah, I was too busy Googling the words I didn't know. I know. Instead of like the historical facts I should probably know. It looks medieval, but did you notice when they show a picture of the inside of a cell, it has a full tea service set up? Did you notice that? I didn't. (laughs) I had to rewind it. You guys, apparently in British jails, you have an entire tea set. And it's like a table with multiple shelves on it. And there were cups and there were like tea kettles. Oh, God. Get a grip. (laughs) Anyway, this is where I have in my notes that he's telling a story, but a dog walked out into frame, so I got distracted. (laughs) I actually wrote it in my notes. So can you cover me for this part? Yeah, yeah, Zero to 100, right? Britain was very much like me back in those days. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. Oh, me trousers! Me trousers. And so this is when he's like, blonde hair, blue eyes, I'm beautiful. I'm six foot free, you know? And I'm like, six foot free? I love it. I love that shit so much. We ran to the Jag, piled up the loot, threw it in the boot, and we drove away. Because the whole thing is that, like, he's going to be identified because of his hat. Right, because there was a witness, or so he was ID'd with the hat and the mustache and all that stuff. Right, so this crooked cop for 200 quid, mate, agrees to swap out the hat, the real hat, for a hat three sizes too big. Right, so that it won't fit and he'll get off. Right, if the hat don't fit, you must quit. It's really easy to not end up in a life of crime. I don't know if we've said that on this episode. Well, I haven't been, like, punched in the face yet, but when I am, I'll probably be like, all right, I'll do it. hard, I feel like, with the South London gang being uh-huh. like, we can do this the hard way or we can punch you in the face. And I'm like, shit. 